Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. question, what would it take for you to ditch your relationship with your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your children or your parents? What would it take to do that? Would ten, if somebody gave you $10 million, would you ditch your relationship with them? Don't answer out loud. Don't answer out Ladies, ladies, let me ask you something. If, uh, maybe if uh, Brad Pitt said, hey, I'll take you as my wife, would you ditch him? Don't, don't answer. What, what about Michael B. Jordan, huh, if he called you up? What about Dwayne Johnson, The Rock? What if he come up and said, oh, watch it, don't answer out loud. Oh, my goodness, more trouble's coming. Guys, what about you? What if J-Lo said, I'll go with the Lolo? How about that? Mm, what, what would it take? What would it take? Because there's a lot of people that says, okay, this is it, $10 million. Yeah, I'm, I'm in with someone else. And, and the reason I ask you that question, because it's so important, because I've got another question for you. What would it take for you to ditch your relationship with God? What would, what would it take? And I can tell you, I know what the number one reason is. The number one reason that I found that people ditch their relationship with God is because when they go through something, when God doesn't make sense. When something happens in their life that God just makes no sense at all, why does this have to be? This shouldn't have to be. I'm a good person, blah, blah, blah. And it goes on and on and on. And that reason, more than anything else, is the reason that people ditch their relationship with God. And so today I want to tell you something. I don't know if you've ever experienced a time like that to where it seemed like that uh, God didn't make sense in your life. Something happened. If you've, I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not, but you will. If you haven't yet, you will. And so today, I want to give you a plan for when that happens. When this happens in your life, you have to have a plan. If not, you will, you will be tempted to walk away from your faith and ditch your relationship with God. So I want to give you a plan. Would you like to know the plan? Okay, that was a weak yes. Would you like to know the plan? Okay, thank you very much. Here it is. I want you to say it with me. It's coming up on the screen. Everybody, let's say it together. You ready? I will obey God's commands even when I can't see his hands. And that, my friend, is a plan that will sustain you when life doesn't make sense, when you go through things that don't make sense. This morning, I would like to talk to you about when God doesn't make sense. When he doesn't make sense, what do you do? And there's three things that I would like to share with you today that's going to help you, I believe, when you go through those moments. And I want to take you into the Bible, and I want to talk to you about a person in the Bible. His, his guy, the guy's name is Naaman. You can find his story in 2 Kings in the Old Testament. And again, 2 Kings, is, uh, the book of Kings, 1 Kings and 2 Kings, is, is that. It's all about the kings of Israel. And, and here's what's amazing. When they did what was right in the eyes of God, guess what? God blessed Israel. He blessed them. He blessed their kingdom. He protected them. He gave them, he gave them victories over their enemies. They prospered financially. They just did good. But it was amazing to me how other kings would come in, and they would turn their backs on God. 
And when they turned their backs on God, God would withdraw his blessing and protection. And every time that happened, that God withdrew his blessing and protection, all of a sudden the enemies would come in and invade. And they would steal things from them and even sometimes take the people captive. And that's exactly what we find out happened here in this story. I want to set it up for you. So Naaman now, as we're about to see, is a captain in the Syrian army. So would you... The first point I want to give you is this. Let's just go ahead and write this down. You ready? The first thing to remember when God doesn't make sense is never give up on God. Never give up on God. The story opens up. Naaman, or 2 Kings 5, 1 and 2 says this. Naaman was the commander of the Syrian army. Notice this. The Lord had helped him and his troops defeat their enemies so that the king of Syria repeated, uh, respected Naaman very much Naaman was a brave soldier, but he had what? He had leprosy. He had leprosy. One day while the Syrian troops were raiding who? Israel. Israel. Notice that Israel was God's people, right? They were raiding Israel. They captured a girl, and she became a servant of Naaman's wife. Now, let me set this up for you. Here we find that the Syrians are enemies against God's people. And it's one of those times where the king's been rebelling against God. And God would move his hands, and it seems like God is even favoring the enemy, of God, uh, the enemy of God's people, Israel. And so as they invade this case, uh, Naaman's leading this troop. They go in, they invade it, and they take captured this little girl. They take captive a lot of people, but, but this young girl, probably between the ages of 13 and 15, was taken captive, and she was brought into the home of Naaman. And became his wife's servant. And now, what I want you to imagine just a moment is a time that maybe when you were 13 or 14 or 15. This young lady, who was 13, 14, or 15, had lost everything. She'd lost her parents. She'd lost her uh, friends. she lost everybody. She is taken out of her own country, and she's taken into someone's home that she doesn't even know, and she's made to be a servant. Can you imagine what's going through her mind? Can you imagine she's saying, God, where are you? Because she was taught that her God could do anything and that God would save them. And if she called out to God, and now she finds herself in this home of Naaman, alone, forced into servitude, even some would say slavery. And so now we pick up the story, and, and so she's been there a little while, and I'm sure that she's grieving the loss of her parents. And look what the Bible says. It says this. Verse 5, it says, would you read those first three words out loud, out loud with me? Let's read them. You ready? Sometime later, sometime later, the girl said, if your husband Naaman would go to the prophet in, in Samaria, he would be cured of his what? Leprosy. leprosy. Now, leprosy, let me explain to you what that is. Leprosy was a disease. It's sort of like disease that now this flesh-eating bacteria that's, that we're finding in our country now. It's what it was, and it would just begin to eat the flesh off your bone. It was like an infection that could not be cured. And once you got it, there was no cure, and, and people began to avoid you because it looked, uh, it looked horrible, and it even smelled worse. And so it was horrible. It was hard to be around people. So Naaman had contracted this, and it was, it was at the beginning stages, and there was no cure. And so the young lady that was in his house, while, she was at, while she'd been serving there, she decided that instead of being bitter at God for allowing her to be in this situation, that she would begin to open up her heart to be used by God. Let me just say this to you. Every time, understand this, 
A waiting season with God is never a wasted season. And she was waiting. She said, okay, God, what do you want from me? You see, she realized this. She realized that sometimes in the waiting season, God is doing something in you before he can do something for you. Did you hear that? It's, it's, in the wait, it's in the waiting season that God is re- preparing you because not only does he want to do something for you, but I'm here, you're here for a purpose and God wants to do something through you. Amen. You're through you. Listen, you, you were created for purpose. You were born on purpose. God had the purpose for your life. And so God created, God, in that waiting moment that she was waiting, she realized that God has me here for a reason. And so, God, I've got to speak up. And she made that little move. She, listen, she was such a good person that his wife listened to her. And Naaman listened to her as well. He listened to her. So, understand this. That we have a plan when God doesn't make sense. And this girl had a plan, and it was the same plan that we're talking about today. So let's say it again. You ready? It's coming up on the screen. Let's say it. Here we go. I will obey God's commands even when I can't see his hands. And that was her decision. So never give up on God. The second thing I would like to say to you this morning that you must always remember, and I must remember, is to release the disappointment in God that is keeping you from trusting God. Oh, that's big. Release the disappointment in God, in God, that is keeping you from trusting God. Now, we move on into the story, and let me set it up for you. Naaman hears her, and he's like, hey, what do I have to lose? He, he trusts this young girl. And so she said, there's a prophet in Israel that you can go see. His name is Elisha. And she said, if you'll just go see him, I know that he can make you well. And so sure enough, Naaman gets, gets his army, to, uh, gets a, an entourage together. They begin to go to Israel, and they find the prophet's house. And when they get to the prophet's house, the prophet Elisha doesn't come out at all. He sends a servant out to meet them. Now listen, Naaman is an important guy. But he sends a servant out, and the servant says to Naaman, listen, just go down to the Jordan River and just dip down seven times. And when you dip down seven times, you're going to be made clean. Well, I want to tell you something. This ticked Naaman off. Look what he said. Look what the Bible says. Look, here we go. But when Naaman went away, how? Angry. He went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not rivers of Damascus better than any of the waters in Israel? Couldn't. I washed them and be clean. Would you read what's underlined with me? Let's read it. Ready? Come. So he turned and went, went off in a rage. He snapped. Everybody say, oh, snap. Oh, snap. That's exactly what it, he snapped. He went crazy. Why did he go crazy? Because God didn't do what he thought he should do the way he thought God should do it. He got mad at God. He got mad at God because God didn't do what he thought God should do and, and, and do it the way that he thought God should do it. God didn't do any of that. And so here he is in this disappointment that I thought that God was going to do this. And he, he just says, spelled out the way that God should do it. And many of you are sitting here today, and the truth be known, you're mad at God because he didn't do what you thought he should do when you thought he should do it. Today, 
the truth be known, you're mad at God. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, I, I wouldn't say that I'm mad at God. Well, let me just say this. The truth to be known, you're hurt at God. I was 38 years old. And I found myself staring at a counselor. I didn't believe in going to counseling because I thought that was for weak people. And I didn't want to be seen as weak. But I got to a point in my life to where I was about to have a nervous breakdown and lose everything in my life. Even though I was the pastor of this church and had been the pastor of this church for over 10 years. Everybody thought I was strong, but on the inside I was breaking. So I went to, this, I went to the counselor and I sat down with him and and after being there for two sessions, you know, I'm like, I have my, I have my pad and I have my notebook and I have my, I have my pen and I'm like, okay, fix me. Tell me what's wrong with me. So he said, well, Jeff, it's going to take a little time here. I'm like, oh, well, I want it now. You know, I, I'm a very impatient guy. So, it, so after being there like two sessions, he said, Jeff, I think I figured out what's going on. I said, great, give it to me. What do I need to tell Rhonda to straighten up? Right? It wasn't me. Okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to tell my children that you just give it to me? I'm going, I will deliver the message. He said, Jeff, your problem is you don't trust God. I'm going to tell you what, that ticked me off. And you know what I did? I did what many of you do when you disagree. I just closed up my little notebook and said, adios amigos. My friend, I'm out of here. How dare you, how dare you say I don't trust God? I looked down and said, listen, man, from the time I received Jesus Christ in my life, I read my Bible regularly. I pray regularly. I give my tithe. I give my life to the ministry. I serve my church faithfully. And I, I ask people to come to Christ. I do it. I check all the boxes. Don't you tell me I don't trust God. You don't trust God. You. I got mad. I'm sorry. You're a little more dignified than I did. I got mad. Tell me that. Give my life to this ministry. Oh, no. And I left. You know what? I did just what a lot of you do. When you don't like what the counselor says, you get another one, right? When you don't like, when the, you don't like what your doctor says, you get another one. When you don't like what the pastor says, you get another one. Ooh, I know you. But after, after leaving and thinking about that and, and telling God how wrong that man was, I realized he was right. And I went back to him and I said, you know what? I, maybe you might be right. Tell me. He said, well, I can't tell you why, Jeff. He said, but through the next couple of weeks, if you'll just be with me, work with me, we'll figure out the why. And so I went back and sure enough, we figured out the why. When I was six years old, my brother and I shared a bedroom. We had bunk beds. I slept on the bottom. I was younger. He was two years older. He slept on the top. I remember one morning my mother screaming my name to a tone that I cannot get out of my mind to this day. And I remember opening my eyes and seeing the bottom of that top bunk. And as I rolled out of the bed, just not knowing what's going on, and, and I just tried to run to her and find out what's going on. And at six years old, 
And as I come out of that little bedroom and I looked into the living room, there she was over my older brother, had him pinned to the floor. He was convulsing and she had a spoon stuck in his mouth that he wouldn't swallow his tongue. And she screamed at me. She said, go get the neighbors. We didn't have a phone in our house back then. And she screamed at me, go get the neighbors, go get help. And here I am, six years old, and all this responsibility. And I ran and I got the neighbors. That was on December 22nd, 1974. My brother died on December 24th, was pronounced dead December 24th, spinal meningitis. That Christmas, when all the other kids were getting the toys and they were thinking about how fun it was and Santa Claus is coming to town, I was burying my my brother. And I thought I'd gotten over that. I thought that, you know, I'd pushed that in an area to where I was over it. But, but what I didn't realize was this, is that as that counselor talked to me, I didn't realize that I, that part of my heart I had not given to God. I still held this fear that God would do the same to me. I would do the same that I love, the people that I love, that he would take them from me. And that pain, that secret hurt, that, that secret anger, that secret tick that I had against God, I was still carrying. And I didn't even know it. And I want to tell you, because of that, that disappointment with God, is that I lived a life of anxiety. Even though I was a pastor of this church, I, did, I checked all the boxes, every spiritual box. You check, I was checking them, but inside my heart was still hurt with God. I remember after, I made, after that discovery was made, I could take you to my house, to that upstairs room that I had a little makeshift office, and there was a, a chair sitting there, and I kneeled and knelt in front of that chair, and as I knelt in front of that chair, I remember saying, God, I know this is not going to sound right, but I forgive you. I know that might not sound right to you, but God and I understood it because until I let go of that hurt, God couldn't do what he wanted to do inside of me. I was filled with fear. I was filled with anxiety. Even though I was checking all the boxes, it was there. Why? Because God, because there was a hurt that I had against God, a fear of God that I, would, I didn't trust God in my whole heart, a whole heart. And Jesus said this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And if, and if you're afraid of God, and if you've got a hurt against God, you won't let go, and you can't trust Him, and your fear will be high, and your anxiety will be high, and you're going to be on the, on the edge of a breakdown, but I've got good news for you. When you release it, God receives it, and it restores and heals what's been broken inside of you. God, God can handle. He can handle you. Look at him in the eye and say that, that when my brother died, God, I didn't understand it, and I still don't understand it. I didn't like it, and I still wonder what life would be like with it. But, God, your way is better than my way. I don't understand why the divorce happened, God, but you do. I don't know why my kids went crazy, God, but, Lord, I don't hold it against you anymore. I trust you. When you release it, when you release it, it releases you. When you release God, the power of God comes in. The Spirit of God comes in. And you're no longer a slave to fear. When you, when you, can, when you can hold on to God, 
And when you can say, God, I I don't understand. It didn't make any sense. But God, you're God, and I'm going to give it to you. When you do, it releases something inside of you. I ask you, what is your hurt? Who, Who left your life? What boyfriend years ago walked out on you, and you're still mad at God? What girlfriend walked out on you, and you're still mad at God? What parent walked out on you, and you're still mad at God? What, what relationship? Was it a husband or a wife? Who? And you blame God. I heard of a man this, this week, he's 100 years old, and his family's been trying to lead him to Christ. He's 100, he's not accepted Christ yet. You know why? Because he fought World War II, and he saw the death of innocent people, and he's still holding it against God. When God did not make sense. I want to tell you this. Some of you have not come to Christ because things have happened in this world and in your world that you don't understand. And you're saying, if there's a good God, then this couldn't happen. Let me tell you something. He's still good no matter what happens. I'm telling you, he's good. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. So today, if you don't know him, don't, don't wait. You're never going to understand him. You just got to trust him. And I challenge you to take that step today. And with the way you do that is you receive him into your life. It's not going to make sense until you receive him into your life. Amen. So today, there's a prayer inside of our program. It's a prayer to become a Christ follower. And I'd like for you to read this prayer. And when you read this prayer, you say, God, that's me too. It says this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Please help me turn from my sins and do your will. Would you read those last four words? Let's read them. You ready? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if that's you today, and you said, Pastor, that's my prayer, on the back of this card, there's a box I want you to check. It's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. Check that box so we can pray for you. Okay. Remember our plan for when God doesn't make sense. Remember, so you don't fold. Here it is. It's coming up on the screen. Let's say it again. Let's say it together. I will obey God's commands even when I can't see his hands. That's the plan. Number three, would you write this down? Do the little things God is asking you to do. Do the little things. We go back into our story and we see that Naaman is ticked off. He's mad. I could have done this at home, he said. I've wasted my time. How dare him not come and see me? Doesn't he know who I am? But all of a sudden, one of Naaman's servants, servants begins to speak up. The guy that traveled with him, look what he says. Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father, if the prophets had told you to do some." What thing? Great thing. Would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan. How many times? As the man of God told him. And his flesh was restored and became like that of a young boy's. Then Naaman and all of his attendants went back to the man of God, stood before him and said, let's read this, this underline. You ready? Come on. 
Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Now, here's the deal. Naaman becomes a Christ. He becomes a follower of God. And so now when he goes back to this home, how do you think that young lady is going to be treated? God used her to do the little thing. She did the little thing. What? She did the best that she could, and then she spoke up when she needed to and said, there's someone in Israel that could heal you. She did the little thing. And because of that little thing, all of a sudden, Naaman goes, and he's now, he does the little thing. He goes, and he dips in the water seven times in the Jordan River, and sure enough, he's made, he's made well. He's healed. God, it's, it's doing the little things that make the difference in life. And what I want to tell you, the greatest success principle in life. Anybody want to hear the greatest success principle ever written? You want to, I, read a, I read a lot of books, and I want to tell you, I have found this truth, and I want to give it to you today, how to be successful. Here it is. It's found in the best book I ever read. It's called the Bible, and Luke 16 and 10, and look what it says. Here it is. Anyone, would you say that word, anyone? Let's say it. Anyone who can be trusted in what? Little matters, little matters can also be trusted in what? Important matters as well. But anyone who is dishonest in what? Little matters will be dishonest in? Important matters. You see, you will be qualified or disqualified by your willingness to do the little things. There is no such thing as an overnight success. You're never going to have what the people that you admire, you're never going to have what they have until you start doing the little things. Make the, do the little things. The little things make the biggest difference. Can I tell you something? You want to know the secret to SEC? Some of you are new. You want to know the secret to SEC? Here it is. Is that we are a bunch of people that do the little things that God's given us the ability to do with a big heart. That's, that's what makes us a great church. What makes SEC a great church is this, is that we do the little things that God has asked us to do, and we do it with a big heart. This morning when you drove up, there was people in the parking lot that seemingly doing a little thing, you know, like, why are they even out there? They're doing their little thing with a big heart. You know, right now we got people that are rocking babies right now. You say, oh, that's such a little thing, but they're doing it with a big heart, and it becomes a big thing, right? And we got people right now that are with our kids' church area right now, upstairs right now with those kids, the ages of, of first grade to sixth grade right now that are serving them. You know what they're doing? They're doing what seems to be a little thing with a big heart. And those connection cards that you're, that you're filling out and you'll drop in the bucket. You know what? There's people that will enter this data so we can pray for you. We'll pray over your request. Why? They're doing a little things with a big heart and it makes a big difference. Listen. The reason, the reason, the reason after you write something on this card and, we, and, and through the week all of a sudden the miracle of God happens, you know why? It's because they're entering that request and we've gotten on our knees and we've prayed over you and the angels of God have been set charge over you. Why? Because somebody did a little thing with a big heart and our big God showed up on your behalf. It's a little thing. Here at SEC, listen, we have, we have something to help you make sure that you know what the little things that God wants you to do in order that you can do it with a big heart and it brings a big return to your life. And it's called growth track. Listen, a lot of you say, well, I'm just not on track with this church. Well, let me tell you something. You will never be on track until you go to growth track. Whew, that's good right there. That's right. That was revealed by the Almighty God right there. I'm going to challenge you. We, growth track happens every, every Sunday at 12 o'clock, and it's in the West Auditorium, right down the hall. 
I want you to go to the growth track. And so I want to ask you, on your connection card, will you, will you make a commitment? I will do my best to complete growth track in August. Would you just check that box? Because we want to help you do the little things that God's called you to do with a big heart that make a big difference. One of the, how, many of you, how many of you would say to here today, Pastor Jeff, I'd like to go on a mission trip one day. Let me see your hand. You say, I'd like to go on a mission trip. There's no more than that. <laughs> Lord have mercy, they're scared to death. Who's been talking to you? I'm not talking about going to Africa where, you, where they're going to make you live with the natives and, you know, they're going to make you walk around naked and afraid. Let's try that one more. How many of you would like to do a mission, something for God, a mission trip? Let me see your hand. Okay, that's better. Some of you still like, I ain't saying raise my hand. There's a mission trip that's going to happen Saturday at 9 o'clock here. Right here in our parking lot. We're doing something called Pump It Up. Pump It Up is where we go over here to the gas station. We buy the gas down 50 cents a gallon for people in the community, not for people in our church. And we come, and you know what we do? We pump the gas in their car. We do the little things with a big heart, and God does big in them. And, and, and we, we wash their windshield while they're waiting. And, and we give them a bottle of water while they're waiting. And we smile and wave at them while they're waiting. Most of them haven't been smiled at in a week, and they see us. They see our pearly whites. And it just does something. It's the little things with a big And God does miracles. And so I'm inviting you to join me this week on this mission trip right here in our parking lot. Why don't you check the box in there? It says, says, I, says I will uh, use my little to show people our big God by serving at Pump It Up Saturday. Why don't you come out just for two hours and watch what God will do through you. There's a guy that uh, his name is Dante Heath. And Dante said he'd come through Pump It Up. It was in January. We did it a year ago in January. He'd come through Pump It Up. And he said, I got the gas. He said, and everybody was doing those little things. He said, but they, they did it with such love. He said, it made me feel so warm. He said, then I got the gas. And after I got the gas and left, he said, I felt guilty because they invited me to church. And he's like, I, I don't want to go to church, but I felt guilty for the gas. So he said, the next Sunday, I said, told my wife, we're going to go. Didn't even want to go. But he said, I come to this church and I found the same kind of spirit. People doing little things with big hearts. And he said, I'm a part of this church because of it. And, and let me tell you something. Dante will watch this. You know why? Because it's a professional baseball player that plays in Japan. And so he'll be watching this and he'll be thinking about you. Why? Because it's, it's that little things with a big heart. I want to challenge you to do what God's asking you to do. What is it? I want to say this one more time, our plan. What is our plan when God doesn't make sense? This is coming up on the screen. Let's say it again. You ready? Here it is. Let's say it. I will obey God's commands even when I can't see his hands. Would you stand with me? Now, here's the important part. All of it's been important, but this is really important. Don't check out on me yet. I pray for you. You know, I pray for you every night. It's crazy. Rhonda and I were in Aruba. One week we were in Aruba. And every night before I go to sleep, we prayed for you. It's just who we are. You can't get away from us. You thought you was on a break from me. No, you wasn't. I was here with you in the spirit. I was praying God's protection over you. But here's what I want to tell you today. 
This is what the Holy Spirit is asking me today, and I'm going to do what He's asked me to do, and you've got to do what He asked you to do. If the truth is known today, there's a lot of people in this room that you're going through something right now, and God's not making any sense. If the truth is known, there's a lot of people in this room today that you've got a secret disappointment with God that's holding you back. And you, you really need to, you need to forgive God. You need to let it go. There's some of you in this room today. Maybe you're like me. Is that someone in your life was taken. And the truth be known, is still a sting in your heart. And you're holding it against God. Someone walked out on you and you're holding it against God. Many of you are just going through a season where God's not making any sense. I want to ask you today, if that defines you, or you know someone, or you know someone that's going through a season like that, I want to ask you to do a little thing today in order to do it with a big heart. I want to ask you just to step out of your seats, meet me right in the front, and I want to pray God's blessings over you. Today is going to be a new day in your life. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.